Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. But this morning, we are uh, diving back into our series, All In. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we've really looked at what it means to go all in. And go in and all in with our, with our mind, with our heart, uh, with our soul, with our strength. And last week, we talked about the muchness of love. And, how we, and when we spend time with God, we can know with an expectation that he's going to show up and meet us there. And tonight, today, that's not tonight, I'm used to speaking at night. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, what's holding you back from going all in. What's holding you back from going all in. So uh, if you have your, your notes, you have notes in the back that you can take with. If not, pull out your phone, pull out your version, uh, follow along with us, because I believe this message is going to be impactful for you to help you go all in with, for what God has in store for you. But... We're going to be looking at five things that hinder us from going all in. Five things. So the first thing is, I'm going to dive right in. The first thing that hinders us from going all in is fear. Fear hinder us, can hinder us from going all in. See, this morning we're going to be looking, going through a timeline of looking at Moses and the Israelites. Because I believe that there are some things that they walked through that, stay, that kept them from experiencing the promise that God had for them. They, they wandered for a little bit less more time than what they should have if they would have just trusted God and followed him. But this morning, the first one is fear. Fear can hinder us. See, Moses, we got to understand, Moses was, uh, grew up in Egypt. Like, he was born, and during that time, the Israelites were, were slaves in Egypt, and Egyptians were getting fearful because the Israelites were starting to outnumber them. So they may put out a rule that they needed to, to get rid of all the Israelite boys. So Moses was born during this time. Moses' mom puts him in a basket and puts him down the river. It floats down the river to this young woman. It ends up being Pharaoh's daughter. And she raises Moses to end the kingdom and grows up there. And Moses, at this time, he's going through. He understands that he's different. He doesn't look like the other Egyptian men. He doesn't fit in in the kingdom where he's at. So he's out wandering one day, and he comes across an Egyptian being mean to an Israelite. And Moses gets angry. He gets upset that this man's treating this other man like this. So he gets, he gets involved, he gets mad, and he ends up killing the Egyptian. And he gets scared, he hides the body, he runs away. The next day he goes back out into the, into the field, into where they're working, and he sees two Israelites arguing. He says, what, what are you guys arguing about? You guys are brothers. And, and the Israelites turned to him, what, what are you going to do, Moses? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And he gets scared. He flees for his life. He runs away. And he, he's out, uh, out in this field a little bit later. He, won, he, he meets his wife, and he's tending to his father-in-law's sheep. And all of a sudden, there was a burning bush. But first, like if I were to see a burning bush, I'd be like, okay, it's just, you know, it's a bush, it's on fire, I'm not going to go near it. But something drew his heart to it, that he walked towards it, and he realizes this burning bush isn't just a burning bush, it's like, it's not, nothing's happening to the bush, it's just on fire. And all of a sudden, the bush starts talking to him. I don't know about you, but I'd be out of there, like, that's, that's insane, like, I'm not about a bush talking to me, this is weird. But Moses 
is standing there, and all of a sudden he realizes it's God, and God is asking him to go back to Egypt, to go back and to talk to Pharaoh and let him know that it's time for the Israelites to get out of there. Like, it's not God's will for them to be slaves any longer. And Moses is like, God, do you not understand what just happened? Like, a few years back, I, I murdered a guy. I, then there's people that are wanting to kill me now because of this, and they're fearful of me. Like, do you not understand what I've done there? But God said, I know what you've done, but those people are gone now. You can go back in there safely. And, and he's like, but okay, God, I understand that. But Pharaoh, he's, he's, a, he's a powerful leader. He's just going to let me go in there and say, hey, some burning bush that claims to be God is asking me to let the Israelites go, the slaves that work so hard that you rely on. He's asking me to, for you to let them go. What, what am I supposed to say there? And I, I love what God says. He says, I am who I am. And I believe that, is a say, that this saying isn't just for Moses in that time, but it's for us today as well. See, there's some things in our life that, that we we're going through that can be hard. And we're like, God, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do. And God says, I am who I am. Everything that Moses needed, I am. And everything you need, I am. I am the person that you need to, I'm the person that you need to run to in time of need. And Moses hears this and he finally says, all right, God, I hear you telling me to go. All right, I'll go. Even though I'm fearful of going back to Egypt because my life is, can be threatened, I'm, I, I'm scared to go because I'm going in front of Pharaoh. And, and Moses, Moses was a guy who, who wasn't very good talking in front of people. He, he tells God this, like, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not good at talking. I'm not a good public speaker. I stutter when I talk. Like, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. I, I'm unqualified for, me, for you to send me into, into, to, into Pharaoh's court to say these things. So God sends him a helper named Aaron, his brother, and he goes in there, and he does it. I don't know what maybe today was holding you back from going all in. Maybe God's placed something in your life that he's asking you to do. Maybe he's asked you to be a part of men's ministry. Maybe he's asked you to be a part of the kids' ministry to serve upstairs. Maybe he's asked you to do something, and it just feels too hard for you. Or maybe you're just scared to do it because you don't feel like you're qualified enough to do it. Today, God's saying to you, I am everything that you need. I am the one who qualifies. If I've asked you to do it, you can trust me. I have put a purpose on your life, and I am going to help you see it through. You can trust me in this. The second thing that holds us back from going all in is blame and complaining. So we get through where Moses goes in. He, he finally gets Pharaoh to let his people go after several uh, major crises in Egypt. Like, go back and read Exodus. You can see all that happened there craziness. Finally, Pharaoh is like, whatever, just get out of here because I'm tired of what you're doing to my land. I'm tired of you uh, putting a curse upon me. Take them. Get out of here. So Moses is like, okay, we need to get out of here be quick because before Pharaoh changes his mind because he's going to realize what he's missing. So they get out of there. The Israelites are running and they come to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's decided, you know what, I, I messed up. I can't have my, my free labor be running away like this. Like, all right, I'm going to send my men after them. He sends his, his army after the Israelites. And they come to, the, the Israelites come to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army's behind them. 
they're stuck in a hard place. They're like, either we need to find a way across the Red Sea or we need to turn around and fight for our lives. And they turn to Moses and they say, Moses, what, what were you thinking? Why did you take us out of Egypt? Was there not enough graves in Egypt for us to die in that you, you, you had to bring us here to die? And Moses was like, I, I, I'm just doing what God told me to do. He told me to take you out of Egypt. I'm doing that. I'm leading the best I can. And they're like, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, bro, come on now. Like, let's, let's go. Let's get to, like, where are we supposed to go? I, sometimes in life, we can feel that away. We're, we're stuck right in the middle of our problem. Maybe it's our finances. Our finances are, are running low, and our bills are on the other side facing us. And we're like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to pay this bill? If I don't pay this bill, my electric's going to be turned off. What, what am I going to do? And, and the people are complaining, and I've, so I, I've been guilty. When I've been doing stuff, like God's told me to do it, and all of a sudden, I, I start complaining of, like, God, like, did you not see this coming? Like, like I... How am I supposed to get through this situation? I, and I begin to complain and blame a miracle that God has already performed, that he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, like it looks impossible, it, like it shouldn't have happened, and it's a miracle. And then they begin to blame Moses for this. And Moses is, begins to plead with God. He's like, God, I, I see what you're doing. I see where you're supposed to be taking us, but we're in the middle of a crisis. I have the sea, I have the armies behind me. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to lead through this? In Acts, uh, or Exodus 14, 15, uh, it says this. We'll read a couple verses here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of Egypt. And they will charge in after the Israelites. My glory, my great glory will be displayed through, through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them all, Egypt will, Egypt will see my glory and know that I am Lord. Then the angel of God, who, was, who has been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of the cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelites' camp. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the, Israel, so the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from, uh, the, from the pillar of fire and cloud. He drew their forces into confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariot difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against e Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back, cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, 
escaped, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and the charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one of them survived. So, so we read this story. They, they were in between the problem, and God provided a way. God gave them a way through, and they were, they were excited. They were pumped. They're like, wow, our God has performed a miracle. But a little bit later, the Israelites again began to complain. They began to complain that they were hungry. I mean, I don't know about you. When I get hungry, I complain too. Like, I, I love to eat. It's usually about every 30 minutes I have to get something to eat because I love to eat. And so they begin to complain that they're hungry. And again, Moses is like, why are you complaining to me? Did you not just see what God did? Why don't you ask God to work a miracle? And so Moses is like, all right, since I'm the leader, I'll pray up to God. God, my pe- the people are hungry. They're saying it's better to, that they should have stayed in Egypt. They should have stayed slaves in Egypt than they should have followed me out here into the wilderness. And God provides another miracle once again for them. He gives them manna and quail from heaven, and they, had, they could get all they wanted to fill their bellies. Like, they could, it was all their eat buffet. Like, they had everything they wanted. And... But so many of us, we get caught up in, in our comfort. And I think the Egyptians here, they, they were uncomfortable in the wilderness. They realized that back in Egypt, it was comfortable. Like, yeah, they were slaves, but they, they were at least had all the food they wanted there. Like, it might have not been the best situation, but they had all they wanted to eat. And for many of us, when we go through life, there's some things that hold us captive. And that, that is sin. My third thing is that holds us back from going all in with Christ is sin. See, sin is one of those things that looks good. It looks good for a moment. It takes us, it gives us what we want in the moment, but then it leaves us feeling emptier than what we were before. See, the Egyptians, that, or the Israelites, they were... They were used to being a slave. They used to being held captive. And in life, we are like that as well. We'll get caught up in sin and we get used to that sin. It holds us slavery that we're like, I don't know any other life without it. So I think, why should I go through the process to freedom when I'm just used to this and I can live every day fine in the, in the slavery of sin? But God, God doesn't, Jesus didn't come for us to just be okay in our comfort of sin. Jesus came so that we could have life to the fullest. And to have life to the fullest is to have freedom from that sin. And that's what the Israelites were battling here. They, they were caught up in this like slavery of, like, of the comfort. They're like, you know, it's comfortable. I'm good. And many of us are like that as well. We don't want to put in the work to find freedom. We don't want to be honest with somebody what we're really struggling with like, I don't, it's much easier for me to sit at home and just feel the guilt and shame and not go talk to somebody. But we, we're never going to conquer something until we confront it. We're never going to be as strong until we are completely honest with somebody. We can't find freedom until we face it. And today, I don't know what it is in our life that's holding us back, but we need to find somebody and be honest about it. We need to tell them what's happening on the inside and tell them that like, it's a struggle for us 
so that they can help us. But you got to be careful who you tell, tell your problems to. If you, if you pick somebody, just like the last point was blame and complain, if you get somebody who just likes to complain and blame other people as well, you're going to get stuck in that rut again. You need to find somebody who's going to help you and work your way through it. See, when I was in college, I, I struggled with like pornography when I was in high school and through my college years. But I found a mentor in my life who was somebody that I could be honest with. And he could be, quite frankly, he was honest with me. If he saw I was being off, he was ready to call it out of me. He's like, whoa, Luke, something's wrong with you. We need, we need to go talk about it. And like, we need to be careful who we allow in our life. We need somebody who's going to be honest with us. We don't need somebody to say, oh, it's okay, Luke. You know, everybody struggles with it. We need somebody who's going to be like, you know, yeah, everybody struggles with it, but you don't have to struggle with it anymore. You can find freedom from it. You can find freedom from whatever it is because our God is big enough. Our God is the God of miracles, and he's going he's gonna to help us through. But the Israelites, with sin, they, they came out of the slavery. They're back out in the, in the wilderness, and they come to the Mount Sinai. And we hear this, we know that this is the mountain that Moses goes up, he meets with God, and he gets the Ten Commandments. But while Moses is up on Mount Sinai having an encounter with God, the, the Israelites decide, they go to Aaron, which Aaron should have been smarter than this. Aaron should have been, you know what, this isn't, this isn't what we should do. But they go to Aaron, you say, they say, Aaron, we should, we should build an altar to, to, the, to a God that brought us out of Egypt. Like, hold on. The God who just brought them out of Egypt, they don't need to build an altar. They don't need to build a golden calf, which is what they build. They begin to bring gold stuff. And Aaron's like, I just let them do it because that's what they want to do. I didn't want them to kill me, which as a leader is terrible. <laughs> if you're a leader, don't, don't allow people to influence you in this way. If you're, if you're called to lead, lead with integrity. And, and integrity says, I'm going to do what's right even when no one else is doing what's right. And Aaron, Aaron goes along with the people that build a golden calf. And they begin to worship this calf. And they fall into sin of serving another god. And when, when we begin to serve anything that isn't God, that's sin. Maybe it's your job that you're serving more than that you're serving God. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's sports. I don't know what it is. You can fill in the blank for yourself. But when we begin to put whatever it is before God, it's a sin. And the Israelites are, are worshiping this golden calf. Moses comes down from the mountain, and he's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're worshiping the God that brought us out of Egypt. And he's like, he was just up on the mountain worshiping the God who brought them out of Egypt. And he's like, this is not the God who brought you out of Egypt. This is this is." nothing. This, is, this could be melted away and be gone in an hour. Like, this is nothing. Why are you worshiping this? He gets angry. God's angry, but Moses begins to plead with God. Moses says, "Why? I see what they've done. Yes, they messed up, but please be gracious to them. Show them mercy once again. And today, that's what Jesus does on our behalf. When we stumble into sin, Jesus goes to God and he says, God, I, I know they messed up, but I came for them. I covered them in my righteousness. I, I paid the penalty of the price of their sin already. Don't take your anger out on them. You've already taken out your anger. That's what Jesus does in our life. If you ask Jesus in your heart, you're in right standing with God. Yeah, you may mess up. Maybe you may fail. 
You may fail over and over again, but Jesus is your interceder. He's there for you. He's there talking to God on your behalf. But see, when we mess up and we stumble and sin, Romans 6 says we can't keep on sinning just for God to show us this amazing grace. We need to, we need to find somebody in our life that be honest with us, that we can talk to so that we can have accountability in our life. We can't be slaves to sin forever. I believe that this one is probably the biggest one for some of us that we get caught up on, that we get caught up in our sin, that keeps us from going all in. And as soon as we find freedom from whatever that sin is, we're not going to be able to go all in for Christ. But as soon as we find freedom, we are going to be living our best life. We're going to be living life to the fullest because that's what Jesus has offered us. The fourth thing the fourth thing that hinders our walk from going all in is feeling unworthy. This one goes hand in hand with sin. See, so many of us, we get, we get stuck in sin that when we finally come out of sin, when we finally find freedom, that Satan likes to remind us of what we were before we found freedom. He likes to say, oh, you know, Luke, I see you're doing a great job now, but you remember about two years ago or about three years ago when you did this. He begins to remind you of the things that, that you used to be. He starts throwing guilt and shame at you, and you'd be like, I am not worthy of this calling that God's placed on my life. I'm not worthy to come into church and to worship him because, because of what I've done in my past. But Jesus came and he canceled the past. past. If, we, if we're in right relationship with him, we are a new creation. We are who he says we are. We are a child of God. So in, in the story of the Israelites, they come to uh, the promised land, the, pro- the land that God's promised to them, the place that they came out of Egypt, that they were going to, this whole destination. It took them 40 years to get there, a long time. And they come here, and Moses says, all right, it's, we're, we're, on the, on the, we're on the boundaries. We're on the, out, on the outskirts of the promised land. We need to send 12 people in, 12, 12 people from each tribe of Israel to go scout out this land. So the 12 people go in, the 12 spies go in to the promised land, and they see everything. They're supposed to take reports of what they see and who they see and the cities that they see. So they go in, they find these big grapevines, they find that the land is actually moving with milk and honey. And, and they're going through, and eventually they, they, they begin to see big people. They see giants, they see strong cities, they see strong armies, and the 40 days comes up, they go back into, uh, go back to Moses, and they're like, Moses, yes, this land is beautiful. It's everything that God said it was going to be. But God left out something. He didn't tell us about the big giants that were there, the big strong cities that were there. Like, we're never going to be able to conquer these. But there's two, two men there that, that stood up against the ten. Their names are Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb begin to, like, oppose them, like, whoa, 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 like, like, God told us about this land, and it's everything that he promised. And I believe we've seen God move before us. He's taken us through the wilderness. He's parted the Red Sea. He's done everything on our behalf. Like, I think he's got this. Like, I think we can go in there and we can conquer these giants and these cities. But the Israelites get caught up listening to these 10 other people and say, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be too hard. We, we're not going to be able to overcome everything that's out here. So the Israelites get upset with Joshua and Caleb, and they want to kill him. 
But I really don't think that they wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb because of their report. I just think they wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb because they didn't feel worthy enough to go into the promised land. That they just didn't feel like that they were who God said they were. They, they saw this beautiful land. They didn't feel like they were worth going into the promised land. They, they're like, I'm not good enough. I don't think I can go in there. But Joshua and Caleb were the only two that saw it, that they saw, you can't, we can't go in there. Yeah, it might, be, it might be some battles we have to face, but I think we can do it. it We've got we to check our circles. When I was talking about we need to find somebody that we can talk to, we need to find people like Joshua and Caleb. We need to find some people that say, you can do it. It may be a battle, but you can do it. And so many of us at times, I think we, we find the complainers and the blamers that, that say, ah, it's too hard. It's okay. Like, we'll just hang out here on the outskirts of the promised land, and it'll be okay. But we need to find some people that, that can say, you can do it. You can make your way through. God's promised it to you. He's going to provide. God is faithful to his promises. If he's promised it, he's going to be a man of his word. See, what God places in your heart isn't on accident. He places it there on, on purpose. And it's our job to decide what we're going to do with it. Are we going to hang out on the outskirts of the promised land and say, you know what, someone else will go in there. They'll figure it out. Or are we going to go in and say, God's placed this in my heart. He's given me this calling for a reason. He's given me this passion for a reason. I'm going to go all in for him. It's our choice to do that. See, we can allow our past to try to dictate us and tell us that we're not good enough, that we're never going to measure up. Or we can actually listen to God's word where it says we are his, his children, that we are his masterpiece, or, or we can listen to the lies of the enemy. We're the only ones who can decide that, who can decide where we're going to go from here. The fifth thing that hinders us from going all in with Christ is disobedience. Disobedience. So we come, after they, they check out the promised land, uh, they, they, they decide not to go in, so they're, they're back out there for another 40 years in the wilderness, wandering, because they, they didn't listen to God. So God said, all right, if you're not going to listen to me, it's going to be another 40 years, and you're going you're, you're gonna to figure this out. Like, next time you're going to get there, hopefully you listen to me, listen to my promises that you're going to go all in. You're going to go into the promised land. So we get to another place. The Israelites, once again, are complaining that there isn't any water. They're thirsty. So Moses is like, okay, well, I've been here before. I'll just pray to God, and this is what, uh, what the prayer consists of. God speaks to Moses and Aaron and says this, You and Aaron take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out water. Then he and Aaron summon the people to come together at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. First off, if you're, if you're starting off to the people you're talking to and you call them rebels, I think he's kind of in the wrong place here. He's already in a wrong mindset of what, what he's supposed to be doing. He says, listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice, and water gushed out. See, Moses, he did what God told him to do. He did go over to the rock. He summoned the people together. 
He was just supposed to lift his staff up and say, God, please pour out water. But Moses, he took his thing, took his the matters in his own hand. He took up his staff and he said, you rebels, you want water? Here's your water. And hit the rock twice. But we got to understand when God calls us to something, we got to be in full submission, soul surrender to him. We got to be fully dedicated to what he says. If he tells us to do it a certain way, we do it the way he tells us. See, half obedience is considered full di- disobedience. If we do something halfway, it's still full disobedience because we're not doing it fully the way God told us to do it. Yeah, maybe we're doing what God told us to do, but we're not doing it out of the right heart. Yeah, God, you told me to serve in the youth ministry. I'm going to go serve in the youth ministry, but I'm only going to do it for my gain. That's disobedience. Or maybe it's something God told you to go talk to a co-worker at work. You go talk to the co-worker and you say, yeah, church is great if you want to come sometime, but God told you to have a conversation about him, not just to invite them to church. And you just say, yeah, you can come to church. My pastor, he's a great guy. Uh, be back next week because Pastor Chris speaks, preaches much better than I do. I promise you, you, you will be encouraged next week. But he tells you, you, t- you tell him that he's a great guy. He's a great preacher. He's a great communicator. But God told you to, to tell them your testimony. And you don't do that. That's considered disobedience. Yeah, you might have done what God told you to do. You did it halfway. But you, you didn't do it fully the way God asked you to do it. Don't let disobedience stop you short of your calling. See, when we, when we begin to go down the road of disobedience, we begin to harden our heart to what God's telling us to do. And I, that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to be, He wants us to trust Him. If he tells us we, we can do it, he wants us to trust him that he will do it. So we got to live a life of faith. That doesn't mean like hoping that randomly something's going to come into its work. It's going to go the way that God told you to. But faith is putting your feet to the ground and doing the work that it's going to take to, to do it. I don't know what God's placed in your life to, to do, but if God told you to do it, do it fully to his word. Don't do it halfway. So how do we go all in? How do we go all in? In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, this is Paul speaking. He says, he says this is Paul at the end of his life. Paul, he's, he's at the end of his life. He's like, he's old and wise now. He's been through it all. And he's writing to the church of Philippi. He's saying, this is what I've done in my life to go all in. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. See, this is where Paul found his success. He forgot his past. See, the first thing for us to go all in is we must leave Egypt. You must come out of captivity. You must come out of slavery, of the things that are holding us captive. We must forget the past and press forward to the price that God has for us. See, Moses struggled with fear. Many of us may struggle with fear. Fear of tomorrow, fear of what's going to happen, 
in the next few years. There's a lot of things that we can be fearful of. But the Bible says, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Do not allow complaining and blaming to keep us out of, from going all in with Christ. Find people that we can talk to, that can encourage us, that build us up so that we can go all in. The second thing that we can do to go all in is go through the wilderness. See, we're going to have to go through the wilderness. See, God uses the wilderness to shape us, to make us who he's trying to call us to be. There's going to be battles there. There's going to be things that we're going to have to go through to build our character, to build our integrity. We have to go through it. See, God puts us through things on purpose. It may be hard. It may be difficult. It may not be able to fully comprehend why God's sending us through this season. But God has a purpose for everything. If we look to him, we can trust him. He's going to find a way to get us through. We've got to advance through the wilderness. The third thing to go all in is enter the promised land. See, there comes to a point that where we have, to, we have to make the decision. We're at the outskirts. Am I going to go all in or am I just going to stay here at the edge? God doesn't call us to stay comfortable. He doesn't call us to stay where we are. See, I don't believe there's a such thing as being stagnant in our faith with Christ. It's either we're moving towards Christ or we're moving away from Christ. Either we can, either we can take each and every day and say, you know what, today is a new day. I'm going to look to Christ. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible, do everything that God's called me to do. Or you're going to say, you know, today it's a little too hard. I'm a little too busy. I'm going to take a day off from, from going all in. There's no such thing as taking days off. We got to be full on every day for Christ. Because God has been all in for us from the very beginning. He loves you and he's so grateful for you. And he's put a purpose on your life. He didn't put it there on accident. He didn't just show up randomly. But he put it there on purpose because he has a calling for you. He wants you to be the light in your workplace. He wants you to be the light in your schools. He wants you to be who he says you are. And it's up to us to decide if we're going to do that. So if every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you hear you're saying, Luke, this message is, is speaking to me. Maybe you're fitting into one of the five areas that's keeping you from going all in. I want to encourage you in the next few moments to give it to God, to ask for forgiveness that you haven't been obedient to completely to everything that he's telling you to be. But before we move on to that, I want to give an opportunity to those who maybe are here and say, I don't have a relationship with God and I feel like that's the first step I need to take. Or maybe you're in the third category of that's holding you from going all in, which is sin. You say, Luke, I'm struggling with, with sin in my life and I, I, I need to give that up to God. I need to find the freedom that Jesus offers. Today, I'm just going to give you that moment. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. The reason why I ask you to raise your hand isn't some religious tradition we do each and every week, but as I believe it's you agreeing outwardly of what God's doing inwardly in your heart. Maybe you've been sitting here and you just felt like this is what you've been needing to do all service. You just feel like there's a tugging at your heart. It's a, you, just, you just feel uncomfortable. You don't know what it is. I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't ignore that feeling. Raise your hand in this moment. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, 
God's not mad at you, but he's madly in love with you. Two, this is the best decision you will ever make. Three, if that's you, you want to make a, a commitment to Christ, to have a relationship with him, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Is there anyone in the room? So I'm going to the next part of our prayer. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to go ahead and come and get ready. Maybe you're here and you say, Luke, I, I'm needing to go all in. There's something in my life that's keeping me from going all in, but today I'm going to take that and make this commitment to go all in. I'm not going to wait another day. I'm not going to wait another second. I'm going to do it today. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You want to go all in for Christ. You're tired of playing games, tired of playing on the outskirts of the promise that God has placed before you. All right, we're going to go into a time of worship. If you need prayer, if, you, if one of these things, you just didn't raise your hand for some reason, these prayer partners are down here.